Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. downloading another episode of the thundercast you can follow us on twitter thundercast underscore pod the links to all of our social media is in the description to the episodes but i gotta tell you russ we've kicked off a 600 youtube subscriber contest so all you gotta do is go over to the thundercast youtube channel yep the link is in the description and just click subscribe i've noticed on the analytics of our shows that roughly 50 percent of the people that are watching our video podcasts are not subscribers so just one easy click of the button, and you're subscribed, and you'll really never miss an episode. You won't have to go searching for it. So once we get to 600, you know, we're going to find one of our uh, subscribers on YouTube, and I'm going to pick them out, and they're going to win a Thundercast shirt. They'll be able to pick the size. They'll be able to pick the color, and uh, we'll even customize it a little bit for them. You know, we usually put the Thundercast uh, Twitter handle on the back of our shirts. Um, I can do that also, and if you would also like your own, social media handle or handles on the back of your shirt, then I'll hook that up for you too. So really easy. Just subscribe to the Thundercast YouTube channel. Uh, I put a contest tweet out there on, on Twitter, you know, a couple days ago, a week ago or whatever. Um, if you would also just retweet that so other people can see it, that'd be great too. But get us to 600. Somebody's going to get a free shirt. Hell, maybe we might pick a couple people. Tell a friend, tell three friends, but yeah. th we're still running across people that say, Oh, hey, I just found this for the first time. Mm -hmm. Well, we're in season three, and this will be episode 12, I think. So uh, get to get to talking to people, man. Point them out. Tell your friends. Well, especially since it's football season, it's really yeah. easy. You're standing around a lot of people at a tailgate or the people that just park next to you on either direction, in front of you, behind you. It's really easy to say, hey, man, you guys heard of the Thundercast? Yes, no? Well, here, like, check them out on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever, right? Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, there's really, I can't think of a great reason why half of our views are not coming from subscribers, or I should say half of our views are people that aren't subscribed. But anyway, it's a quick click of the button. It doesn't cost you anything. Just wanted to get that out there. Russ, we've got a very great show to talk about this week. Huge win in Greenville, North Carolina. A little history made for the herd. We'll get into that in our featured segment. And of course, we got five things. But before we kick that cat off, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. You can't stop a bad driver from crashing into you and making you a victim, but when you're hurt and you try to deal with the insurance companies alone, you set yourself up to be a victim again. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from bad drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, it was a great week. Talking about it in the lead-in, Marshall's kind of been on a Nice run across the athletic department of wins mm -hmm. and, and excellent um, showings. So let's relive some of that. Uh, how about we start it off with five things that every Herd fan needs to know this week? Five things every Herd fan needs to know this week. As usual, brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, we have the sections 
for striping the Joan named. We are less than two weeks away now from that Virginia Tech game, and we have them. So you have time to go out and buy a white shirt, time to go out and buy a Kelly green, not your old 1988 Thundering Herd, uh, Forest Green, Hunter Green, uh, whatever color green, you know, the 18 different colors. You've got time to go to the bookstore. You got time to go to Glenn's. You got time to get online. You got time to do whatever. Get either a green or a white shirt. I've got yeah. these sections here. Uh, let's just do the white. Everything else will be Kelly Green. So white section 105 109 113 130 in the bottom of the end zone 124 120 and 118 both of those together are tiny sections so they're counting as one 114 110 104 if you just heard your section or if you don't know where you sit look at your tickets you'll be wearing white if you didn't hear your section Look at your tickets. You're wearing Kelly green. Let's yep. strike this bad boy. Yeah. If you want it to look good, then you got to do your part. We already know that it's going to be billed as a sellout or it is a sellout. There will be tickets available on the, you know, uh, secondary market, if you will. But uh, you're not going to be able to walk up to the ticket office and get a ticket as far as I know. I mean, you call it a sellout. That means it's sold out. So do your part. We know how great it looked when Louisville came to town. The, f the photos are still floating around the overhead shot. And other than a smattering of red, you know, concentrated in mainly the visitor section, it bleeds over a little bit towards midfield on the visitor side as well. But it looked really, really, really good. And we just need modern photos of our crowd showing up and showing out and striping the stadium. If you're in a white t-shirt uh, section, wear a white t-shirt. If you're in a Kelly Green section, go get a Kelly Green shirt. Dude, you don't even have to go buy a Marshall shirt. Go to Michael's or go somewhere and get a blank Kelly Green shirt for crying out loud. It couldn't cost you more than five or six bucks. A lot of times those are on sale. But I've got a feeling, I don't know this, Russ, I've got a feeling, though, that you're going to be able to get cheaper clothing downtown because it's a Stripe the Stadium event, right? You're probably going to be able to get a basic Kelly Green Marshall shirt or a basic white Marshall shirt for probably around that $10 to $12 price point. I'm just speculating, but it feels like that's something that is going to be a push here in a couple of weeks before this game. So do your part. Wear the right color and show out and stripe the stripe the Joan. It's going to look badass if thirty some thousand people are playing the game. Don't be the people that are wearing just a regular blue shirt or a black shirt or something like that. I I don't think you should do that at any Marshall game personally because it makes it look so great on TV and in person. Mm -hmm. Wearing your Kelly green, you know we have a anytime we don't have a theme, it's a Kelly green out. You know, mm -hmm. just wear your Kelly green. Make sure you've got the right shade. Don't be wearing the old stuff. Like I said, go get a modern shirt, man. It's not not that big of a purchase. But don't be the people that don't wear the colors in the sections and then complain that the Stripe the Joan didn't look good. <laughs> it's a good point. You know, you know who you are. You know who you are. <laughs> and, I see and, people. I run into people every now and then, and they'll say, oh, it didn't look good. And I was like, you're in an orange shirt, man. Come on. <laughs> well, here's the thing you got to think about, too, which is another thing I think we're going to talk about because it's kind of a big deal. Marshall's been killing it on a content creation standpoint here lately. So this is a 
weapon, a, a bullet in the arsenal, so to speak, or a bullet in the magazine to be able to put out great looking graphics for yeah. not only this season, but maybe a couple of years to come until we yeah. have an opportunity to do this again. I mean, we really just need to knock this out of the park. You, you gotta go buy a Kelly green shirt. You've gotta have a white shirt. You just gotta do it, man. It'll look so great. And think about that recruiting graphics or just this is Marshall's opportunity to put some great looking stuff out there on the SBC scale. You know, app puts out great crowd shots. James Madison puts out great gra uh, crowd shots. Kelly green and white pops, purple and white pops, right? Black and gold pops. So this is our opportunity to put out some really great looking stuff, but it's going to take everybody to play the part, man. Going to, going to take everybody. Got to do your half, man. You got to do your half. Uh, when are you going to be able to wear a Kelly green shirt? Not just for this game, all the time. Wear one almost me. every day. Yeah, almost <laughs> every day. So get out there and get a Kelly green shirt. Uh, you, you're going to need it, yeah. you know? And uh, if you don't have a white Marshall shirt, get a white Marshall shirt. But worst case scenario, I don't care if it says Marshall, as long as you're wearing a white shirt in a white right. section, right? right. So right. just wear white. Wear Kelly Green, wear appropriately. You can find this on uh, herdzone.com. There's going to be graphics. They're all over social media. Herdzone's been blasting them for the last several days. That will not stop. You should have zero excuse to know which section is yours. But again, white, 105, 109, 113, 130, 124, 120, 118, 114, 110, 104. That's there right. you go. Last thing before we go to the next thing. Uh, we will give our tickets away to this game a little earlier than normal. Uh, by the way, our seats are in section 113, which is a designated white shirt section. So that's why we'll give them away a little earlier so that you have ample time, if you don't have one, to acquire a white Marshall shirt. Please what are we thinking don't, this weekend? Please don't take our tickets and wear a blue shirt. That's not cool. Uh, we know, know where you sit. We know yeah. where you sit. I don't know. Yeah, probably this weekend. You know, we'll do it in, in lieu of a bye week. You know, that'll be something nice to give away so folks have a solid five or six days to get downtown or get somewhere and get a white herd shirt or just a white T-shirt. Yeah. All right. You uh, mentioned content creation and how we've been knocking it out of the park. So our number two thing here fits right in with that. Rodney Casey has been promoted to Associate Athletic Director of Digital Strategy and Brand Management. Yeah, the freaking content that's been coming out. I tweeted this, uh, I think it was during the opener when they got the team running out of the tunnel and he was like on the field, got those yeah. great views. Man, the perspectives that are getting put out this year are unlike anything really that we've ever seen. The the Just the... The flair, let's put it that, the flair of these videos, the 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 perfectly timed slow motion, you know, the cuts, the, the transitions, it's great, man. It's really great. I'm really happy for Rodney. He's a great dude, and he deserves this. He's just been flat killing it, and yeah. this is an A-plus move for the herd. You definitely want to try to keep a hold of that guy because he's doing a – he and his team. It's not just yeah. him, but so – much, So much talent on that yeah. team, staying with his visuals and everything, uh, and, you know, not just – the videos but the still shots that he yeah. does well uh rodney and and stan and i mean we could mention a bunch of other people because they're all killing it but uh yeah they're just it's a great great move up 
for Rodney. Well, this is how you engage a fan base these days, man. People mm-hmm. want to see those videos. They want to see those compilations at the end of the games. You know, the the great plays, the in-the-moment plays even. You know, it was just last year, a couple of years ago, it was when there was a big, uh, like a sack. It was just like, um, you know, a, a, an animated graphic, and it was the same one all the time if it was a certain player. And now you're getting basically within minutes an instant clip of that play that Marshall's attaching to the tweet that just happened, you know, or the play that just happened two minutes ago. So everything has notched up and this is just Mm -hmm. football season. You, we still get to look forward to basketball season and baseball season and softball season and all the seasons, you know, I don't think this is just going to be a football thing and then it's going to go away. This is a great notch up for herds and and a great, or for the herd and a great way to uh, engage the fan base and get them coming back to social media to follow you. Awesome move. Number three thing is tennis is hosting play with the herd on nine sixteen. That'll be Saturday. And what a great concept. Uh, you can go there, meet the team, play tennis with the team, eat dinner. There's prizes, all that. Uh, I don't know that we've done this before. If we have, I sure missed it last year when we were covering this, but that's a great event in my mind. It seems like, um, a fan's first initiative thing. You yep. know, I, I can't recall this happening before. We absolutely didn't talk about this last year, you know, when we were doing the show. So I'm going to go out on a limb and feel good saying that this is the first time we've done something like this. And it's, 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 it's the type of thing that these sports need to do because uh, we know that they, that our Olympic sports don't get the overall coverage that, you know, sports like football and basketball really garner. And we're trying to do an, we try to do our part to provide them with some coverage. So, you know, there's not actually non-existent coverage, but events like this help build a fan base. They help get people excited about that sport. And, you know, they get to know those players. And, you know, let's not forget, Russ, we had pretty good tennis season last year. Mm-hmm. Pretty good tennis season. A lot of those players return. And, and there's expectations now, I would I also feel comfortable saying, around this tennis program based on how they performed last year. So having an event like this, I think you're right. It's really cool. It's a great opportunity to get some young tennis players in the area closer to the program, get them excited about uh, martial tennis. And, and just your casual fan, the parents of those young tennis players or just students or whoever can – Go take a part in something cool, and and I think this is great. This is what all of our Olympic sports kind of ought to be doing, you know? Yeah. I think it's here's an A-plus the, move. Here's the details. Saturday, September the 16th, 6 p.m., it's at the Brian David Fox Tennis Center. The meet and greet, play tennis, socialize, and eat dinner with the women's tennis team and the coaching staff. Adults are $75. A family of four is $150, so buy one, get one free. High schoolers, $30. Children under 13 are free. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your cost includes admission, playing tennis, there's prizes, uh, dinner, dessert, and drinks. And you can call 304-696-4661 to make your reservations. Sounds like a plan. All right. Number four, got some, uh, believe believe it or not, uh, some Sunbelt soccer news get out (laughs) not like they've been killing it right uh alexis wolgamuth has been named sunbelt conference women's soccer defensive player of the week for the second time yep yep 
And I've, this is, uh, they're getting ready to come out again, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but this was for the previous week right after we had finished shooting. So, yeah. Second time this season. Don't think it's going to be the last time this season. The sophomore is killing it for the herd. And I've come up with the nickname. It's it's Fort Wolgamuth, right? She's pretty impenetrable at times, you know, in, in goal for the herd. So she's earned it. She's having a great start to the season. Um, you know, we do know that that they suffered their first loss of the season yesterday at the hands of Liberty. But I tweeted at the time, it's it's just a small setback. You regroup and you go on another run. Now it's about time to get into the Sun Belt Conference play, and this is when it really, really matters. And the girls are doing a great, great job. So, you know, having a leader on the team in goal that's doing a great job, I mean, two-time SBC Defensive Player of the Week already in this young mm-hmm. season, you got to have that, and uh, the herd's got it. So. I'm 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 thrilled for them versus what was going on last year. You know, we we talked about this again, and folks like you said earlier are just finding the show for the first time. We saw the women's soccer team kind of turn a corner late in the season, and mm-hmm. they really started playing a lot better. And then some of our one of our better players hit the portal, and we thought, oh man, what are we going to do? And then we saw Coach Swan go into the portal, bring in some weapons, and then just the further development of players that were already on the team yeah. has notched up. So you can't credit everything to going and recruiting in the portal. The talent was already right. here. They just got yeah. better. And now yeah, we're Wolgen- seeing... Wolgenmuth was here. Right? Was here, right. So now we're seeing the fruits of that development. Uh, you know, the women's soccer team this year is flying really far under the radar, and a lot of it, I think, has to do with how freaking dominant the men's soccer team is. So when right. you think soccer, you think men's soccer at Marshall... But man, you got to give them their due. They're doing a great job this season. I'm really, really happy for uh, Coach Swan, the staff, and those players. I am really happy for them. Yeah, Alexis had a uh, couple of clean sheets during that week because they just gave up uh, their first goal since that Indiana State uh, scorcher mm-hmm. uh, against Liberty, which we're going to talk about in around the herd. Uh, also here for number six, Marco Silva was named the Sunbelt Conference Men's Soccer Offensive Player of the Week. No brainer. Yep. Twice for him now. You know, that's, that's three for the herd, right? Bell and, and now Silva twice. I mean, insert the accolade. What do you, what do you want to call this team? I mean, they're a freaking machine. They are a freaking machine. So, Seeing these accolades fly, it's not surprising. In fact, it ought to be really frustrating to other Sunbelt teams. <laughs> like, geez, how the hell are these guys this good? But they are, you know. And, and I, I've said this so many times, Russ, I'm going to say it again. What a great place to be, right? Because you're really at the top of the heap. And not just in the conference, you're at the top of the heap in the country. I mean, there's one team that's ahead of you, and you're not playing them this year. And you probably think, boy, I wish we were. Because I don't think we would leave any doubt as to who the best team in the country is. But, man, Marco Silva is dominating. Matthew Bell is dominating. Other Marshall soccer players are dom- They just can't rise above, you know, Gar- the better Garcia games. Pa- yeah, yeah, Garcia Pasquale's uh, tearing it up. And, right. you know, he's kind of like, well, hey, you don't have four goals on the season. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. but he's got like three, I think. You know, You're right. So- yeah, um, these guys aren't piling up multiple goals in a game, but they're getting one every game. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, whatever. Good luck. Good luck to the SBC. Nobody's surprised by this. Herd, herd soccer is a dynasty, and it's it's a fun freaking dynasty to be a part of, even if you don't know what you're watching. <laughs> I know it's fun to watch. 
And as you probably noticed where I said that was our sixth thing, we do have more than five things this week, and this is the final one here, number seven. Hoops in Huntington is back, and it will be September the 28th at 6 p.m. downtown. That was a really cool event last Amazing year. Amazing event. It was I'm great. glad they're doing that again. You know, for those folks that don't know what that is, they set a court up down there on around 9th Street Plaza, you know, and and Pullman. And they, what they did, the dunk contest. And they had, they had a, uh, they had a uh, dunk contest and they had a uh, uh, men versus women. Um, I don't know what you call that when you're shooting. You it's know, like a skills competition shot. or something. But, no, it's like a, a I don't know. It's almost like you see the do the, you got to hit the layup, the foul shot, yeah. the three pointer, the half quarter, that right. sort of okay. thing. I got you. But, but they also had some passing stuff in there. So it was skills, but I, I just don't know what you call that. It's almost like the individual medley, you know, of basketball. Right. Yeah. But I think there's also going to be other herd teams that are going to be featured here. So it's not just a hundred percent basketball. You're going to have an opportunity to get autographs and take photos and all that stuff. Swim and dive is yeah. going to be there. So it's going to be cool. Sell the towels at the event. Sell the towels at the I'll, event. I'll take four. Well, Jeez. five. I got lost count of how many kids I had. I'll take five. <laughs> Do you hear me, Mr. Spears? Sell the towels at the event. This That is an instant fundraiser for the swim and dive team. And I think folks would absolutely sell those out. If you went downtown with 100, you'd come back with none. Easily. I know that. Sell the towels. Anyway. Now, one of the things that we need to do uh, between now and then, we'll have a little bit more info on it. But uh, Huntington now has a PODA uh, area to where you can uh, go to designated places within there that have been licensed to sell to go um, plastic cups. Uh, It has to be a specific cup. You can find all this on City of Huntington, uh, their website. But it should be down there. If Marshall is not setting up and selling beer, you will be able to walk around with that, just like if you were at a tailgate or whatever in this designated area. So really cool that that is coinciding. That just kicked off, I think, last week. And you'll have that definitely in this area. I think that's something as this event draws closer, we should touch on that and the rules of that uh, a little bit bit more. Because I think... You know, just from a knee-jerk reaction, I think that's a really positive thing for downtown. Some people don't see it that way, but I think you're just maybe looking at it through the wrong lens. Sure. Uh, but we, we just need to put some fact out there and kind of what it means in a practical standpoint. So we'll talk about that uh, PODA more as that this event draws near. Because it, it was well attended last year. I expect yeah. that it will be even better attended this year, especially with that in place now, the POD in place. So we want to get all the facts or, or the main points out on that heading into that event so folks know what they're in store for. But great one five the, things, man. I, it's one, great five things. One of the coolest events I've been to yeah. uh, that they did. So Yeah, yeah that is uh, seven things this week. Every Herd fan needs to know this week. And as always, brought to you by Nightlink. The Trash H. Maria IT management team. Great guys. Uh, great business, you know. We, I got to tell, I got to say this again. You know, hearkening back to the Albany opener, man, Jed and those guys freaking killed it for Thundercast Live. I don't know if you've seen the numbers on that, Russ, but it was like yeah. massively uh, m- better viewed than the year before. Just about any of our episodes the year before. So, mm-hmm. 
the the notch up, the changes, us being able to go wireless. I mean, they just kill it. If you got IT needs, you really need to call Ignite Link. They're local herd alums, herd fans, and they're just Huntingtonians looking to help out other herd fans. And I've got something too. This is not about Ignite Link, but if you saw us there uh, holding those uh, wireless microphones, they have the mic flags on yeah. there. We had last year, we just took some stickers and they weren't the right size stickers that we put on there, but we had to have something. So we went to our friend Signorama and they are the official now official sign company of the Marshall Athletics Department. Uh, you see their stuff all over Marshall University, but definitely the athletics. And uh, we went over there and they hooked us up with some really nice uh, fit stickers that go on there. Uh, high quality. I don't know if many people understand everything that Sinorama does. So I just wanted to highlight our thanks for them to, to on short notice, we got those for that game, Yeah, but they are the only uh, dealer around dealer installer for three M and Avery Dennison vehicle wraps. The only one. And they do everything for Marshall university. They do a lot of different restaurants and other things around town. It's not just commercial signs that they do. They do a little bit of everything. So get your vehicle wrap, call them. Uh, it's Sinorama River Cities. Uh, they do a lot of stuff for Marshall. They work in lockstep with them. So it's herd fans using herd fans for business. If you got any needs, go to Sinorama. Yeah, I've got to mention that too. That's a huge thanks to them. We talk a lot about Marshall and brand cohesion. We mm -hmm. also needed to do a little brand cohesion and to have uh, the little detail, like the properly fitting decal on the mic flags. It was a big deal to us, mm -hmm. right? Because that's ours. That's our, it, it has to look right. And those guys, you're right. They hooked us up on short notice. Everything fits and looks great. I mean, huge shout out to Sinorama for getting that uh, taken care of for us so that we could look at least from a microphone standpoint, look even better yeah. <laughs> on a Thundercast. I can't say, I can't speak to how well I personally looked on camera, but damn if the mic flags didn't look good. So we appreciate those guys. All right. So that does it for that. You want to go around the herd? You want to do uh, the recap first? No, I think I want to do the recap because I don't want to put that off, man. It was a great game. So I want to talk about it. And then I know that's what primarily folks are tuning in to hear about anyway. So let's not mm -hmm. keep them in, uh, waiting any longer because it was just it was too good not to talk about right sure. so let's head into it right east carolina the herd goes to greenville north carolina a slight favorite you know herd minus three i think maybe two and a half as we recorded the preview i didn't really look and see if it moved any farther as the as the game got closer but damn we didn't put that out until like thursday or friday so um but herd gets a big win that's the scoreboard is is not entirely indicative of how this game went. It was a hard-fought, trading punches type of game for a long, long time. But the Herd gets the impressive win on the scoreboard, 31-13. to And man, first ever win in Greenville, North Carolina. Herd history is made. It took a long time. 0-7 heading into that one, and now the Herd's 1-7. And I'll take it because it was pretty convincing late. I tweeted that the herd flexed their muscles late and ran away with it. And that is really an accurate depiction of what happened. The herd is now, of course, 2-0 and on this young season. And we're heading into the bye week. So, got a little bit of time to get things right. Fix some things that need worked on. We heard Huff talk about that in the postgame. Accentuate the things that are going right. And get healed up a little bit. You got two weeks to prepare for Virginia Tech. So... 
There's really not going to be any excuses to not have your A-plus effort coming out in a couple weeks for a Stripe the Joan type scenario. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about before I get into indicators is, of course, this was a 10-10 ball game going into halftime, and we had a massive freaking lightning delay. And it was kind of questionable. Who's going to take the momentum when you come out? East Carolina took it at the get-go when the second half finally started, but that herd defense stepped up in a big way. And then late in the game, the herd dominated the fourth quarter and just put this one away. There was no doubt at the end of that game who the actual better team was. And East Carolina's a pretty decent team. Um, indicators, Russ, and then, and then I'll get your initial recap thoughts. Total yards, time of possession, first downs, third downs, turnovers, and penalties. Up from four indicators to six indicators now. Clean sweep for the herd. How about that? 392 yards to 269 total yards for the Pirates. We joked. <laughs> we joked about time of possession and how somebody was going to have to go over 30 minutes to win. And then I jokingly said, what if it ends 30 minutes to 30 minutes? And I'll be damned. 30 five minutes, seconds away. <laughs> 30 minutes, five seconds for the herd. 29 minutes, 55 seconds for the Pirates. That is hilarious to me. First downs, 21 for the herd, 13 for the Pirates. Third downs, the herd one better, 6 of 15 for the herd to the Pirates, 5 of 17. Uh, turnovers, 2 to 1, it'd say that's skewed a little bit. You know, we there were actually what I would consider three turnovers for Marshall, right? But it, it only goes down as two, one for the Pirates, and then penalty yards. Marshall played a really clean game. Penalty, yeah. That can't be right because Mike Abraham had two interceptions. Yeah, but I know, but it it was wrong. It says one. And, oh, I thought you meant they committed East Carolina. That's committed. what I'm saying. It says one. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, okay. ESPN's lacking, so I know that there were two. Um, four of 39 penalty yards on the herd, really clean, and then 11 penalties for 112 penalty yards for the Pirates. Did not do them any favors. Couple of PI calls and things that that really moved that yardage up. Um, how about some initial recap thoughts before we get into how our guys did? Yeah, 10,000 foot view. I'm going to tell you that when I see people online still saying, got to get rid of Fancher to have a chance, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best just like I did after week one to prove that wrong perception yeah. versus reality. Right. Number two, I've heard a lot of people say our offensive line was killing us and everything. I'm going to do my best to try to prove that wrong. Again, perception versus reality. I went back and watched the game twice after watching it live uh, because I did not get to watch the third quarter because uh, at, while I was doing it live because at the event, it cut out. I couldn't get it back until the fourth quarter. So I went home that night and I watched uh, the game again. And then yesterday, I watched it for a, a third time. Um, that defense was daggone good especially their defensive front that we faced. Now, Marshall's defense was much, much better. But we had trouble because they game-planned against Rasheen Ali, and they keyed on him, and we still we were throwing it downfield, but we had drops and penalties that drastically changed what this game could have been. It probably would have opened up a lot sooner uh, the score is probably not indicative of what it was. And I hope that while we do this recap, I'll be able to explain what I mean by that. Yeah, it's a, that's a good take. But I am one of those guys that uh, saw a little bit of a notch down by the O-line. And you can, 
you can attempt to make an argument the other way and you'll probably have some good points. But what I can tell you is I saw a lot of purple jerseys immediately in the backfield after a snap for a good amount of that game. And that to me sucks, you know, because you can't expect your run game to get going if you don't have any running holes. And you know, I know it's a lot of what East Carolina was doing, but still it worked for a good amount of time. And we, and we weren't able to, you know, get it going earlier. And now late in the game, didn't, yeah, you can see the holes opened up and things started working. And that has a lot to do with how, how good our O-line is. It has a lot to do with the greatness of Rasheen Ali. But early on, you know, when you have a few um, opportunities to make plays, when you do get some time and then you have a drop, you know, that's not on the O-line. But we just had all these different mishaps that plagued us early, right? So I'm not saying they they were bad. Our offensive line wasn't bad, but it, it didn't... Uh, it didn't play up to the level that I was expecting. But you're right. This East Carolina defensive front was really good. Really, really good. So, initial thoughts, I think, for you are spot on. Uh, let, let's get into how our guys did. Okay? Cam Fancher, 15 of 27 for a buck 78. No touchdowns, no INTs. 15 carries for just 30 yards. He did have a long of 13. Two fumbles, really. One was mega killer. Uh, really, I, they're crediting him with another one. That pass to Chuck Montgomery that was dropped on ESPN. Yeah. They're, they're crediting him that is, a, is they're calling it a fumble recovered by Chuck Montgomery. Well, there there was another fumble too, though that he recovered. I know. So that's okay. what I'm saying. These turnover numbers are wrong on ESPN. Two to one, it's wrong. So he actually had three, but the one that was inside the three yard line, they're crediting to Ali instead of to Fancher. So those struggles. That was not ideal, right? We we can all agree there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a decent game. Uh, one of one for Chuck Montgomery passing. How about that? 75 yards to the house on a beautiful trick play. And then we see the first ever career pass for TJ McMahon. When Fancher gets his helmet knocked off, he's got to come out for a play. McMahon goes in. We run a pass play. One of one for eight yards. So congratulations to him. I think it's a little telling also. Heard fans might want to pay attention for everybody calling for certain other quarterbacks to go in the game. When Fancher had to come out for a play, it was T.J. McMahon that went in. So you got to take notice of that. Uh, Rasheen Ali, 18 carries for 85 yards, three touchdowns with a long of 56. You might look at that and go, wow, that's a pretty subpar game. But when you take into account that at one point, Rasheen Ali had 15 carries for six yards, that 85-yard looks pretty good. His final three carries went for 79 combined yards and two touchdowns. He also tied for the team lead with four receptions on the day. He had 45 yards for a long of 30. Caleb McMillan uh, also tied the team lead four receptions. He had 85 yards and the touchdown to lead the team in both categories. And uh, Conley had two receptions for 35 yards. Here's my asterisk, uh, you know, kind of summation here. The Herd had five chunk plays of over 20 yards, another play of 19 yards. We had seven different pass catchers average 10-plus yards a catch. Four of those averaged 15 yards a catch. Uh, The third and 16 completion to Jaden Harrison, Russ, in my opinion, the best pass I've seen Cam Fancher throw. Clutch play, perfect spot, perfect Mm -hmm. placement, and a big-time third-down conversion because two plays later, Rasheen Ali goes 56 yards to the house, and it gets busted wide open. The trick play lit the fuse, that pass, and then the Rasheen Ali run was the firecracker that went off. Uh, I did mention that the O-line struggled a little bit, in my opinion. Purple purple jerseys were in the backfield a lot early in that game. They couldn't open running lanes until late, but when they did, boy, did they. 
right? And then we mentioned uh, some drops, four costly drops and the mental mistakes. Primarily when I say that, I'm thinking of uh, Cam stepping out of bounds on a 14-yard loss when you're already backed up, I think, on your 30 or something like that, and you step out at the 14 or 15, and now it's, you know, fourth and 30. He was on the 22, and he stepped out at the 8. Yeah, rough. That's rough. You know, and I know you're thinking, well, you know, that can happen, and it can, but you just got to be a little bit more aware, you know, where you're at. I mean, he tried to get the pass off, and some folks will also say, well, he got, it looked to me like he might have gotten hit laid out of bounds. That could have went either way. Well, you can't rely on that. You know, so it's it, just it, one of those one of those and, things. And they on the replay because I watched that three different times. Uh, but on the replay, they never showed the angle to where his foot actually hit, and it looked like from the only angle that they did show that he did not step on the, the line. However, I don't dispute what they're saying. I'm just yeah. saying I really would have liked to have seen that. It was that close, is what I'm saying on on him getting that pass off. Yeah, so when you take into account the mistakes, right, the the bad exchanges on the on the uh, uh, handoffs, and the one that it, on the three, our own three, you know, we gifted him a touchdown. That was like worst case scenario for the herd right there. Um, a couple of bad handoff exchanges, and then the pass to Chuck Montgomery that was a lateral that was not caught, and phew, good for Chuck. I mean, it took him a second, but he jumped on the ball. But still, that that's three that should be credited to Cam fumbles wise, but not all are. And then the bad uh, loss running out of bounds. So those type of things can, can kill you. Luckily it didn't, you know, the, 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 the fumble inside the, or inside the five was really the only one that bit the herd that bad. But yeah, good for I'm him for, good for, him for bouncing back. Hold on. Good for him for bouncing back and getting that rough completion that, you know, then led to the scoring. But you know, you, you got to talk about the good with the bad. I'm not going to beat the kid down all the time, but I'm also not going to, only concentrate on what he did right. You got to be down the middle here, and it was, it was, um, it was a down the middle game for me for Cam. But go ahead. All right. So the uh, defensive end came in untouched because we were pulling with the left uh, tackle, mm-hmm. and he went in and he hit Ali as the handoff was going. It right. was going to be a fumble to Ali. It was. I mean, he didn't even have a chance to get the ball in his hands when he was getting hit. So Cam, trying to prevent that, pulls it out. I, I don't think you can blame him for that. You know, the guy just blew up the play. And that that's not on, you know, we had miscommunication back in the backfield on several times that we can mm. bring up, and accurately so. You know, going to hand off and, and the guys on the other side, that sort of thing. Uh, the fumble earlier that Cam uh, fell on uh, was a botched handoff, handoff. But that right there nothing could be done and it could have been a scoop and a score very easily because as soon as Ali, he didn't, again, he didn't even have it, but the ball was in Ali's hands at the time. It should have been an Ali uh, fumble, but it was like an Ali slash Fancher fumble because Fancher tried to pull it out at the end, but there's just nothing you could do. The Ali got hit into the ball by the defensive end and Mm -hmm. it caused the ball to come out. Yeah, see, but that's the that's you 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 just can't have that on the three. So I yeah, know you can't, but yeah, what do you do? Well, I mean, you got to account for you, somebody can't. I know you say you're pulling, but damn, man, if somebody's lined up right there, they got to, that's a quick bead on on yeah. an exchange. You know, no, so I'm that's a, I'm saying the the fumbler. What is the fumbler to do? You know, that I mean, there's just sometimes. I mean, 
it's it's inevitable if you're going to get hit as soon as you're trying to get the ball and you don't even have it yet. I mean, there's just nothing that could have been done in that situation because the guy was not blocked. Yeah, it was a it was a, it was a out of nowhere. Um, n- no one was there to block it, you know. And and yeah, that's a that's a problem. I'm not taking up. I'm not saying well, you know, nothing you can do. Otherwise, they would just run that defensive play all the time and beat everybody about a million. I'm saying that the fumble was not because of a botched handoff. It was not any kind of deal that, I mean, it was just one of those plays where if you are transferring the ball from one person to the other at the same time while a 275-pound guy hits you with his helmet and his shoulder pads right where your hands in the ball is, there's nothing physically that you can do to prevent that fumble. Well, about the only thing you can do, and, and they may not have the freedom to do this, is check out of that play, right? If you're like, this might not go well. You know, we're going to we're going to leave an unblocked defender on a beeline for us inside the three. Maybe we ought to do something different. Now, maybe they don't have the he doesn't have the green light to do that or whatever. But that's what you have to do. If you you know, if you recognize the play is not going to work, I get what you're saying. Like if you run the play and and, you know, if you get hit as the exchange happens, something bad's most likely going to happen. I get that. But something you know, this is one of those film things that they'll go, all right, well, we need to have, if we get this look, we need to be able to check into this or that, right. That's why you get two weeks. That's why you got a bye week That's why you got film. That's why you got film study. So now you'll recognize these things and hopefully clean it up. Right. But at the end of the day, that was, if that happens on the 40, not nearly as disastrous. <laughs> if it happens on the three, pretty disastrous because at the same time, Marshall gifts those 10 first half points to ECU. We could have been looking at a 17 nothing game or at worst a 10 nothing game, you know, if they don't get a fluky quarterback run that goes 57 and then a fumble inside the three. That's the only touchdown they got, right? And I'm not putting that on Cam. I'm saying they had a three-yard touchdown drive. That's all they got from a touchdown standpoint. So that was absolutely a gift. But, you know, I get it. It wasn't ideal. Uh, let's talk about defensively. J.J. Roberts leads the way for the herd and Eli Neal, both notch. Team high, seven tackles. J.J., five solo. Eli Neal, four solo and a tackle for loss. Daytuan Smith, pretty good game. Six tackles, three solo, one tackle for loss and a sack. Sam Burton, fourth leading tackler on the team this week. Five tackles, one solo, a tackle for loss and a sack. So now at least one sack in back-to-back games for Sam. Micah Abraham, just one tackle on the day. But damn, two fourth-quarter interceptions uh, on consecutive drives uh, on both ECU quarterback. So, man, he had a nose for the ball late in the game to really ice this one away. Uh, the defense just overall, they played really, really, really stout. I mentioned that they gifted uh, the, the 10 points, the 10 first half points to ECU on that fluky 57-yard run by the quarterback that put him in the red zone and then a three-yard touchdown drive. Impact plays overall, two interceptions, three sacks, nine tackles for loss, and two passes defended for this herd defense, Russ. I don't want to blow past it because it was a really dominating performance. Uh, But what do you think about what you saw and what the Pirates were able to do or not able to do? Well, they weren't going to be able to run except for the quarterback. And their quarterback, 6'5", 249, I mean, he was a load, and he broke some tackles and everything. Uh, And I'm not going to take anything away from him. Uh, that was great, and he was their leading rusher for the second week in a row. You know, he led against Michigan as well. Um, but 
other than us on a very, very, very short field, we're looking at possibly two field goals. Yep. And I will say, too, that we would have been stretching the field even more without these drops. And again, yep. I haven't even gotten into this yet, but we probably would have scored more. And we probably would, at the very least, would have been down the field further. So they had a longer drive to go. We They were not able to pass. Mm-hmm. We shut them down, and that's from our defensive line, that's from our linebackers, and that's from our secondary. Total shutdown, and the only thing that they had going, they had the one chunk play by the uh, Flynn to the, um, I think it was Josiah Hatfield, but uh, one wide receiver got a long uh, pass catch at the end of the game, and then the couple of runs by the uh, quarterback, and that was it. We shut them down. It would have been – that's why I said this game was so much more than a 31-13. to And I think think because the the offense right before the uh, uh, half, that's when you give them the the short touchdown and everything, then people had two hours to stew on it during Mm -hmm. a a halftime with the rain delay. That's where everybody was saying, hey, we're not doing anything, we're not doing anything. Well, I went back and charted all that. We were doing a lot. And we were the team, they got the momentum only because of that fumble inside the five and a short gimme touchdown. Yeah, I think what it, what I look at and or what I take away from this is, you know how we talk about needing to play complementary football and, you know, being balanced and all that type of stuff and the offense being complementary to what the defense does. And I think it went the other way with some of these um, – adverse plays you know the drops then the turnover it that was complimentary for east carolina because it kept this score like within reach for them and then you go 10 nothing at halftime and they're like all right we we weathered a lot of stuff here and now we somehow are tied despite not really being able to do much at all offensively Mm -hmm. so that kept them a little mo. It kept them kind of feeling it, you know, and they were at home and early they had a big crowd. Not, it was not a big crowd after the rain delay. You know, most, yeah. most folks kind of packed it in and uh, they were not able to sustain, but you know, they had a lot going for them as that game started. You know, yep. we, we were driving down, miss a field goal, you know, driving down. Uh, they were, they got, they were able to move it a little bit, but they couldn't really do much. And then they get a field goal. And, you know, so they, there was kind of, Back and forth, like I said, but if you, you know, you don't have some of those penalties, uh, you don't have a, a drop here and there, you don't have a turnover, this is an ugly score at halftime. I mean, easily probably 17 to 3, maybe, you know, more if, if, if some of that happens. So to be at 10 to 10, East Carolina is probably like, whew, all right, let's, let's come out and, and win this one. And credit to the herd. They didn't let that shit happen. They came out and asserted themselves in the second half and ran away with this game really late. I like what you said about the they could not pass. They couldn't. They really couldn't. And we couldn't not, do a thing. It's not like we were racking up eight, nine sacks, right? We only had mm-hmm. what three on the day. So that means our linebackers and our defensive backs were just playing excellent coverage. I mean, yep. excellent. And that's what you want to see, right? I think a lot of fans wanted to see that. You know, how is this how is this uh Marshall secondary gonna flex you know without Stephen Gilmore back there, without um Andre Sam back there without Isaiah Norman back there. A lot of moving pieces, a lot of new back there, and they all stepped up. And Abraham stepped up the most of all when it mattered the most. Uh, Russ, let's talk about one more thing real quick. Cameron Lake, we saw taking the field goal duties. Uh, Reese Verhoff the week before. 
Cameron Lake goes one of two. He misses his first attempt from 33. He nails his second from 20. Uh, four or four on extra points. So this begs the question, who's the guy? Two different kickers in two different weeks. I wonder who's the guy, right? May come down to scenario, may come down to each week. I'm not sure. It's just yeah. something that we're going to have to keep our eyes on. Yeah, I don't know what I – what do you feel better about, right? Because neither is a positive outcome, but blocked kick versus sailing a kick, right? It's it Both account for a miss, but I guess a blocked kick has the potential to go the other way. Yeah. So ne- kind of not ideal right now in the herd kicking game, but neither of those uh, mishaps has bitten us yet. Yeah. So just something to keep an eye on if you're a herd fan. Russ, let's revisit our keys to victory if you have yours real quick. Just real quick, and then we'll get into grades. Uh, I said the herd had to start fast, and I say that's a yes from me. We got a TD on the third drive of the game. We did miss a field goal in the second, but we were moving the ball. You know, stopped on a fourth fourth down play uh, early and a couple times, actually. And But I'm going to give that a yes because we didn't go, you know, the whole first half and not have anything. So that was a, that's a yes from me. I said we had to utilize Fancher's mobility. That's a no from me because it's 30 yards on 15 carries, and we mentioned the 14-yarder late in the game um, to get, you know, put the herd like a fourth and 30 or whatever. So we didn't fully utilize that and the mishaps didn't help. The drops didn't help. We weren't afforded more opportunities to do that. Uh, keep the Conley train rolling and let Chuck eat. That's a yes for me. Even though, uh, Chuck had, uh, uh, just one reception. He did have that killer 75 yard touchdown pass. Uh, Conley had two for 35 on the day. One drop that I can remember that stifled his numbers a little bit, but I still think overall both those guys played a really good game. And then I said you have to stay aggressive on defense. I I don't think anybody says that's a no. That's a freaking yes, man. The sack numbers, though, not huge, uh, but two late interceptions sealed it, the gifted points. I mean, there's not much more this defense could have done. They freaking dominated a good portion of this game, so that's an absolute yes. Give me three out of four of my keys to victory, and even – not utilizing Fancher's mobility, he was still able to make some plays. Still able to make some plays. So, do you have your keys up here in your noggin? Yeah, they're in my head. So, I had uh, that we were going to establish the run game, and by doing so, it had to be with Fancher uh, running more. I am going to say that he ran more. Totally, we didn't establish the run game early. Mm -hmm. So, it's it's not a, a check mark there. But to your point, uh, you said he was only 15 to 30, but if you take away like the one time it wasn't a sack, but he tried to hand it off, nothing there. He pulled it and immediately had to go back. That was a minus eight right there. He had a minus 14 as he was trying to throw. He wasn't running. I mean, he was running for his life because of the uh, uh, blitz that was coming and he had to reverse course twice, um, but he was throwing it almost got that one away for an incompletion. Uh, that's taken 22 yards away right there. Um, but a couple of those weren't really runs, you know, they were closer to sacks, you know, and, uh, I, I do think that he ran more. He picked up several first downs with his legs and everything. So I was happy with how he did that. Still can't say that we accomplished what I thought was going to be a key because 15 carries for six yards, for Rasheen Ali to start the game, nowhere near establishing the run. No. Um, second for me was uh, limiting or winning the turnover battle. I feel like that we did that. We had the one to their two uh, because we recovered the 
other fumble that we had and the other was an incomplete or I mean it was a backwards pass fumble and recovery but um again we had one turnover to their two mm-hmm. um and then winning the um penalties we did we had some costly penalties one of which I still need to talk about but they had way more penalties than us <laughs> and their penalties were just as costly, if not more. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So you, you go, you go two for three. And there's a lot of this is predicated around the run game. Look, I got to, I do have to mention one thing about uh, Cam. He had one play in particular where the level of escapability that this cat had, I don't know how many hands got on him, but, he spun away several times, reverse field, got upfield, make a play. I mean, that was phenomenal. That was a phenomenal play to mm-hmm. extend and make something out of nothing. So hats off to him. He, you know, he he made a really spectacular play that I don't know what it went for, even if it went for like a five-yard gain. That was one of the most spectacular five-yard runs I've seen in a long time. So two really signature plays for Cam in this game, the third and 16 pass. And that is that escaping run that went for a little gain, really two um, positive steps in the right direction for the continued development of Cam Fancher. So I got to give props where props are due. But overall, I was I think I was just expecting a little bit more, you know, and, and I'll t- I'll touch on that here in a minute. But um, not a bad performance, but um, just just didn't blow me away. And you know, if it's unfair. OK, uh, how about some grades, Russ? Let's get into your grades and let's start with the quarterback. Quarterback, I'm going to say, was a B plus, And the only reason it wasn't higher has nothing to do with stats. It has everything to do with the miscommunication with the handoffs. And that may be on the running back and him. They may share that duties, but he's getting the brunt of it here. He's yeah. the quarterback of the team. Um, but when we're talking throwing, he rolled out and threw to his left. He rolled out and threw across his body to his right. He threw yeah. downfield. He had five drops that I counted. Uh, and let's talk one of the, let's see, five drops plus one holding penalty that took back. Those those uh, came out, by the way, just if they would have caught him and fell down and not gotten an additional yard took away over 147 yards from him. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about what could have been 20 out of 28 for 325, I think, uh, 335. Would you have taken that? Oh, yeah. And by the way, one of those possibly could have gone for a score, but I would say at least they would have been for 15 to 20 more yards of that. So he could have been pushing 360 yards. He hit just about every throw that he needed to make. All of the throws, there were only five total, I think, by my count, in the first half uh, out of the 19 that were less than five yards. Mm -hmm. He was throwing more in the 15 to 20-yard range past the line of scrimmage than anything else. We were throwing the ball downfield to try to open up that running game. And had we not had these drops early, that probably would have opened up that running game a lot more. And then the floodgates opened for us. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Right. And I know that you're going back and doing a rewatch and sometimes mm-hmm. twice. Right. Mm-hmm. But, and, and the fans, a lot of fans are saying, man, we just need more downfield passing. And I don't think that's really what they mean. 
I think what they mean is we need downfield completions, <laughs> right? So when the drops he occur, had them though. I know, but when the drops occur, that doesn't fall on Cam, but they're going to look at it as, as it falls on him, right? Because it's not a completed pass. And I know the kid can't do a whole, whole lot more to just win over fans that don't want to see it. Uh, but I tweeted like at this in this game, like I've been very supportive and I still continue to be very supportive of Cam. I think he should absolutely be the starting quarterback. There's nobody on this show that's going to at this stage in the season that's saying nah, he's not getting it done. He's not the guy. No, I think he is the guy. I was expecting him to come in based on what we knew happened in Albany. They had a limited playbook. They didn't want to show anything. I was expecting more of a uh, of of a performance that would put more distance between QB1 and QB2, right? And no matter whose fault it was, drops, penalties, whatever, that didn't occur. That's all I'm saying. Like, there, you know, you can say, yeah, he would have had over 300 and some yards, but but he didn't, right? So I can't just say, well, it could have, should have. But the thing is to me, like, I just don't think uh, more of the fan base is like, all right, there's a larger gap between QB1 and QB2. He played great. B-plus, I agree with, right? It's some of those fundamental things that, that we got to get ironed out and, and the communication issues got to get ironed out if we're going to be a run-heavy team or a run-first team. Those can't happen, right? And there, yeah, there's certain things that a defense can do to improve their chances of blowing up a play. But at the end of the day, we got to minimize those things. So I'm not calling for the kid to sit. I'm just saying I was expecting a little bit more, and I didn't see it. That's all. So well, I, I, that's fine. I can't convince anybody what they you know are going to believe or see or whatever. But on now watching this game three times, uh he hit just about every throw and you can't ask anybody to be 28 for 28 every game. No, you're going to have, yeah, I'm not saying you are, but a drop of 30 that hit a guy in the hands. When I say drops, these hit them in the hands. Yes. And if you were, and if you remember the bowl game in 2001, when we played against ECU and Byron had something like eight drops Mm -hmm. and he still threw for 500 some yards. It was something like that, that all of the drops, it wasn't like, Hey, we threw a swing pass out and the guy dropped it on the one. We had a 30 yard pass down to our eight yard line uh, that was dropped. Yep. It was right in the hands. There were uh, passes of 13 and 13 and 17 and then we had the 39 through the air just from the line of scrimmage and got an extra 18, and that got pulled back because of the holding call on Lloyd Willis. Uh, you start adding all those up, none of that is Cam's fault. I know. So I don't know what more he could do to separate when you're putting up what should have been from what he was doing, everything that the game plan, besides the handoffs and everything. But again, the guys are in the backfield when you're trying to hand it off. It's it's difficult. And he's he, I don't know what a QB2 would have done there because we, we didn't see it, right? So I don't know about separation from QB1 or QB2. But I can't imagine they would have been able to get out of there with zero sacks. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that they would have been able to scramble for as many plays to bake a pass downfield. I can't imagine that they would have put up what should have been 330 to 350 yards passing if the people didn't drop it that's right in their hands. I mean, these were not like, hey, the throw was behind him and he got a hand on it. I'm talking about they hit him in the bread basket a few times and they dropped it. Yeah, I would agree. 
and there wasn't one, there were five of them. Yep, I would agree. There's some bad, some, you know, like, I would expect maybe a younger guy to to have a costly drop. You know, they're still finding their way. But, you know, when, I love Talit Keaton, but his drop was, I was like, man, this is a senior. Like, this, this can't happen. This is right in the hands, you know. And he had a nice catch earlier in the game, but I was thinking, mm-hmm. man, that one would have been, that one would have blown the roof off. Yeah. But, you know, and you're right, you know, QB2 goes in there and, and, Maybe that's what did need to happen, Russ. I'm not saying they should, but if QB2's in the game and those plays get blown up, maybe those fans are like, well, okay, Cam's the guy. All right, I'm, I'm okay. You know what I mean? So just f- fans have the ability to see what they want to see, you know, and I, I'm no different. I see what I want to see too, but I am at least open-minded enough to not only focus on the negative. You know, mm-hmm. I, I still think he's the guy. He is the guy. So moving forward, he's the guy until he's not. Well, let, let me uh, tell you one more thing about this uh, for my grade and everything because we're talking about the quarterbacks, and this comes from Steve Cotton. We talk mm-hmm. about all the time his his stat dump on, on Sunday, and this was a good one. Going back to 1910, Marshall has 61 fourth-quarter comeback wins. Leading the way as a quarterback is Rakeem Cato with seven. Second is Byron Leftwich with five. There's a bunch of people tied at three, including Chad Pennington. Would you care to guess, if you haven't seen that, where Cam Fancher is on the list? Well, I have seen that, but I don't know the number on the list. But uh... He's tied with Pennington and, and others at three, and this is his ninth career start right so three <laughs> three out of the last four games and you can say whatever you want that well hey you know we shouldn't have been down going into the fourth <laughs> that, quarter that's the argument are, people are gonna say yeah well, you can but <laughs> but do how how many times has uh brady or manning or somebody like that been pra- uh john elway before right, those right. guys yeah. ever came by i get it montana talking about that's one of the things with greatness and leaders and people will say well rasheen ali did it I don't care. Whoever your quarterback is, yeah. he's almost like the starting pitcher it in is. Major League Baseball. It is. And you get, you get credit for, for doing that. Yeah, and, you do. And he deserves the credit. People are seeing what they want to see. They went in b- before this season and said, I don't want him. I want Cole Pennington. That's right. You know, and it, <laughs> they are going to look for whatever they can. And I don't care anybody out there if you want to at me. My phone number is also very easily found on the web. Call me, text me, get on me. I don't care because go watch the games three times and you tell me if he had a bad game. You tell me if he wasn't making every throw that he needed to make. People need to lay off the kid and support him as our best option right now as a quarterback. Yeah, I would agree. He is the best option at quarterback right now. I'm not, I'm not disputing that, but I, I, you know, I got to say this before we move to offense. You're, you're right. The first time, the first thing people are going to say would, well, you don't need a fourth quarter comeback if you're winning the first three quarters, right? Okay, great. Well, then, then don't praise Rakeem Cato and don't praise uh, Byron Levich who had seven and five. All right. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, Offensively though, what do you got overall for this team? Put 31 points up on the board. And uh, had a really solid showing outside the fact we couldn't get a run game going for most of the game. 
Well, so without those drops, and I know r- drops is part of the offense, I mm-hmm. feel like our offense would have been a lot better and it would have opened up earlier and the floodgates would have opened, like I said earlier. I have to give us a, a, a C plus, uh, no, a B minus on here because we put 31 up and this was a really, really good East Carolina team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took till late, but guys, it is extremely hard to run when there are eight people in the box. It is extremely hard when they're bringing five uh, rushers going at you. And we we had, I don't know, uh, it, we would get positive yardage and then we would take a negative seven because you hand the ball off and there's five guys right there to hit you as soon as you get it. I don't care. And we saw late in the game, Rasheen ran through seven, but you can't do it every damn play. All right? So... <laughs> Yeah, I would have liked to have seen us a more well-oiled machine, but we're basically trying to take off points here for not being perfect. You know, sure. we threw the ball downfield like we wanted to do. Offense dropped them. That's that's the majority of the stuff for my uh, for my points off. Hey, we ended up doing what we needed to do, more of that uh, defense down, and that I'm going to say is probably the best defensive front we're going to face all year. Yeah. Now it could, it could I, be. I we run into somebody else that that does better, you know, then I'll reevaluate at that time, but right now they look to be good. I'm not putting that on the offensive line, I'm putting that on their defense. And sometimes we need to stop blaming our own team for failing because in this game, you you don't just get to go out there and do what you want. That's why you play the games. And their defense was very good, and we ended up running on them and passing on them when we needed to do so. So B minus for me. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree slightly because if rushing is going to be such a big part of our game and you're, you've got one of the best backs in the country, man, it's no point you should be 15 carries for six yards. I mean, no point. So that's a big part of what we do. But again, I mentioned the, you know, the complimentary mistakes. That that didn't help. The drops when you needed a big play or a penalty that called back a big play a little bit. And so it's it's not an indictment, you know. I mean, damn, we put 31 on the board. This could have easily been 50, you mm-hmm. know, and we could be sitting here going 50 to 3 in Greenville. The herd walloped the pirates. Didn't yeah. play out that way, but 31 to 13 still looks pretty damn good too. Offensively, I do have to say this. This is this is my Clint Trickett appreciation tweet right now because the trick play call was phenomenal called at the exact right time it got everything going and then after that that was like a demoralizing blow to east carolina i think they felt like all right we're in this you know we've got the lead right now we 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 can do this and then wow they all bit on that play and it worked to perfection and after that that's when the floodgates open you go touchdown touchdown interception touchdown interception ball game right that was it so Shout out to Clint. He called a great game. You can't make everybody catch the ball, right? Uh, I mean, you can you can might you might get mad and go, well, you know what? You called a run play on fourth and two, you know, several times and we couldn't pick it up. Yeah, well, last week you were mad that we passed the ball on fourth and one, and you were like, well, why not hand the ball off to Ali? So they did it this week and it didn't work. So you gotta you you can't have it both ways. Right? Yeah, and, and both what, ways. what happens if you go uh, on fourth and two there and, and <clears throat> you decide, well, let's kick it, and then we miss a field goal, 
what are you, what are you doing right there? You know, yeah. everybody's going to be on you there. Why didn't you run it? Why didn't you do this? That's why fourth downs are hard to get. Yeah. You know, but I contend that's the right call. You got one of the best is. backs it, in the country, yeah, right? It's the right give call. Him the, right give call. him the damn ball. Cause that's right. You know, outside of this game, I would like to say nine times out of 10, he picks that up, but he didn't get it several times in this game. But most of the time against other defensive fronts, especially in the, in the, in the Sun Belt, he's going to pick that up every time. You know, we saw it a lot last year with Labron and, and Ali can do that as well. So it was the right call. It just didn't work, but still Clint caught a great game um, outside of a few drops and, and some, and some, uh, you know, blown up plays. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good game. Defensively, what do you got? Defensively, I'm going to say an A. Uh, not an A+. Plus. Uh, we did give up uh, a lot of runs to the running – or a lot of yards to the running uh, – quarterback. I'll get it right here in a second. A lot of rushing yards to the quarterback. Um, but other than the short, short, short field of three yards for a touchdown drive, we held them in check every step of the way. We, we were in their backfield. I think we had 10 tackles for loss. Uh, we only sacked them three times maybe, but uh, it felt like one of those things that they just could not do anything. Yeah. And I don't think, again, their fan base is going to blame their, their starting quarterback. I don't think it was going to matter what quarterback was in there. It, it's, it's a situation of they're playing against our strength, and our strength is defense. So far this year, we've given up three touchdowns. One was a three-yarder or a three-yard drive. I think it was a two-yard touchdown, but a three-yard drive. Another was a busted play where uh, two guys that were supposed to be uh, spying on the quarterback went after the running back as well. And then another was a busted coverage play where, and that's the only three touchdowns we've given up this year. Yeah. We we would hope to see those busted plays eliminated. And we got one, we saw really just one and it was the long 50 plus yard quarterback run. Mm -hmm. And that kid's a load to bring down. They had an opportunity to bring him down earlier, you know, a couple of times and they couldn't do it, Mm -hmm. but still, you know, that's 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 a bummer because without that, they rush as a team for under 100 yards. They're probably not set up to get any type of points there because they couldn't do much. You know, they had really one decent drive that they were able to sustain and, you know, make something happen. Other than that, this Marshall defense was great. It was absolutely great. So I can't fault them for giving up a three-yard touchdown drive that's not on them. I mean, damn, they, they, you know, you're – your two yard touchdown to a wide open tight end or wide open wide open receiver, if that doesn't happen, you're looking at a field goal attempt on a freaking three getting the ball at the three yard line. So a a all the way. Special teams, what you got? Special teams, you cannot miss a field goal, and you cannot miss one from what was 33? 33. 33. Um, I, I have to go with a um, a D. We didn't do anything transformational uh, in special teams. Uh, we didn't have any big returns. Everything was just kind of there. We didn't really have any chance to uh, field punts for runs, so it was going to be around a C, but mm-hmm. missing the missing the field goal took it down a letter grade for me because that could have been in such a tight, we can't move the ball, we can't uh, score situation. That field goal was looking like it was going to be huge until later in the game. Yeah. So I'm getting a D. 
Well, at one point you're down 13 to 10 and you're thinking, damn, we've missed a field goal, you know? So until it busts wide open, you're thinking, this could haunt. This could be the difference, right? But you're right. I missed field goal two weeks in a row, both kickers. You were trying to figure out who's the guy. You know, we don't know. I don't think they know. So it probably looks like at this point it's, well, who had the better week in practice is going to be our guy going into mm-hmm. the game. And if that's what it yeah. is, that's fine. You know, that's And fine. I still think there might be some uh, uh, distance thing, too. Like if it's past a certain yardage, you know, this is going to be our guy. We've seen that before. Sure. Uh, not, that's not, very not commonplace. Just, yeah, not just last year, but over the past decade. You know, we've had guys uh, that's like, here's our long kicker, here's our uh, shorter accurate kicker. Yeah, I dig that. But yeah, you're right. Nothing transform transformational in the return game either way. Be the either kick coverage or kick return. Uh, McConnell had an okay day. You know, it wasn't stellar. It wasn't bad. It was just everything average. was looking average, C yeah. grade. Uh, yeah. And then you know, but I got to take points off for the miss. Yep. How about a coaching staff grade? I, man, I'm gonna say uh, probably a good solid B plus. Um, I. I love the calls, the play calls. I love mm-hmm. the game plan. Mm-hmm. You know, the coaches didn't drop the passes. And again, I feel like that's going to open up the the scoring and uh, the uh, flipping the field, that sort of thing. But uh, we still got some costly errors on penalties. And we've still got some costly things like who's doing what on these handoff exchanges so we don't have this situation. Uh, is that the coach's fault? I don't know. But usually coaching gets the blame, right? Everything, you know, rolls up. So uh, I'll stay B plus. But otherwise, great game plan. And um, it would have been an even better showing of that game plan if we didn't have these drops. I mean, we're talking about some major yardage drops. Yeah. Let me tell you what this is for me, and it is not a B plus. This is an absolute A, borderline A plus effort, and let me tell you why. The delay, lightning delay regimen that they put in, and if you listen to Huff's post game, he talked about what do you do here and talking to mm-hmm. you know somebody he used to work with. I think he's the Bucks strength coach. He used yeah. to work with at Mississippi State, and they talk about what they do for Super Bowl week because it's right. an ast- extended halftime, an extended pregame. And he said, you hit the bikes at this point. You're stretching at this point. And he's like, right. we were about to order food because we were getting into that added delay and we needed to refuel. They killed that lightning delay layoff, and yeah. it showed late in the game. And it, it ain't going to show up in any type of film because it's it's a delay, you know, And the, but they're keeping our guys fresh. They're keeping our guys in it. They're keeping them. We just beat East East Carolina, I think, largely during that delay because we came out. They were they were quicker and more motivated early, but after that initial storm, that flurry, Marshall ran away with it, and I think it was a lot to do with what we were doing during the delay. I can so, take that. A, an F, a definite A, borderline A+, plus, largely because of weathering, no no pun intended, the delay and the regimen they put in to keep those guys fresh and ready to roll for the fourth. That was awesome. And it was great to hear Huff elaborate on that and give a little yeah. bit of insight into that. Although, yeah. I mean, the game was called well, both sides of the ball, all three phases of the ball pretty well. So that just added it to me and notched it up, man. I mean, it was awesome. How about the fans real quick? Fans, uh you know, I, I was not at the uh, benefit of being down there. Uh, so I didn't get to hear the chants and things like that and to see uh, how well I saw on TV 
looked like everybody showed up and showed out and they stayed in after that long, long rain delay. Mm. Otherwise, you know, where are they going to go? You right. Know? Uh, but uh, East Carolina's fans, they started out with 38,000 there. And when we came back, the announcers said, looks like we're down to about a third of what we did have. So that tells me that we probably would have had at that point, I don't know, a fifth of the total uh, fandom that was in there. Sure. So I'm going to give everybody an A. Uh, now, social media, I still think people need to come off of ledges and everything that if somebody doesn't go for 30 for 30 for 500 and it's six touchdowns, you know, he's not the guy or, you know, I'm done. This team can't uh, run. I, I saw somebody say that our offense was horrible and then they said they took it back. You know, uh, people people just need to just watch the game and not expect perfection and video game numbers. You know, and every now and then, every now and then, you play against a team that is going to be difficult to beat, and yeah. they were for the uh, especially the first half. So yeah, we we I don't talked know. we talked about this in the preview. It was going to be strength on strength for a lot yeah. of this game, and what we were good at, they were also good at. We were just able to outmatch them and pull away late. Two big interceptions really just killed any chances that they had of making any viable comeback. I mean, look, social media puts an instant voice to anyone in real time whenever they want to say whatever they want to say. And, you know, whatever. We, we do the same thing. But I think I saw less of uh, wanting the hook on Cam this week than I did last week. That's a step in the right direction. You know, so getting the win over East Carolina absolutely means more. Now it seems like a four-point win over Albany is just in a distant memory because now you get to look at a 20-ish point win, 18-point win over East Carolina to really hang your hat on and go, hey, that's a better win. This is what I hope to see out of this team. So they did come off the ledge a little bit, but you're never going to get everybody to pipe down. I remember what my score prediction was, but what was yours? I think I've said 24 to 28, 24. That's what I, I was thinking was yours was 28, 24. And I had 27, four, or 27, 14, I think. Four, 24 to 10 is what you said. I had 24 to 10. Yeah. Okay. Well, they outscored what both of us had predicted. We yeah. thought that that defense was going to be difficult to score and put up points on, not because our offense was so bad, but because they held Michigan to 30 and they pretty much handled and kept in check a great running back for Michigan. Mm -hmm. So we expected that it was going to be kind of difficult. I elaborated that I thought that they weren't going to be able to pass against us and that they were having to replace a whole bunch of people and stuff like that. Uh, but they, our offense outscored what we predicted, both of us. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I have to praise that, you know, that, that they scored 31 points. We talked about last year how often that we did not score 30, you know, and this was a great e ECU defense that I think will show over the year that they're not going to give up a lot of rushing yards and things like that, and we still dropped 31 on them. So yeah. final words from me on that. I think I, I even jokingly remember it <laughs> saying, like, it, this could be a race to 30, 30 minutes of possession and 30 points in the herd. Yeah. Gets 30 minutes, five seconds, and 31 points, and they get the win. And yeah. I think largely you could look at that and most matchups throughout the season and go, if you can get 30 points and possess at least 30 minutes of the game, you'll probably win. There's a lot of things that play into that, but just those two data points, they lend to a lot of success. Overall, what do you got 
for the entire weekend? Entire weekend was uh, A plus for me. Not only did I get to see us win, yeah, uh, and I watched the game multiple times uh, in my downtime, but uh, also that was a great event that I was at, dressed up uh, as Miami Vice from the eighties, and getting to watch the game while I was doing that A plus weekend for me. <laughs> That's not really what I was after, but okay. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. You asked how the weekend was, and that is exactly how the weekend was. <laughs> I was with I, w- I was with other herd fans watching that game, and we were at an event dressed up, uh, all of us in the eighties. So yeah, that looked like a pretty cool event. Who was your uh, offensive MVP? I'm giving it to Cam. I would like to say, uh, you know, three touchdowns gets it for uh, Ali, but those uh, the not being able to establish the run early, uh, just it's so close for cam and Ali for me on this, but I have to go with cam because again, we don't see those drops. We see a lot of people going, Hey, he threw it downfield the whole time. And he had a high completion percentage over 70 some percent. And he had 300 yards. Uh, I'm giving it to cam and that's without him getting any, um, touchdowns. That's without him throwing for 200 yards, and that's with Ali getting three touchdowns. I'm still giving it to Cam. Yeah, Rasheen Ali is my offensive MVP this week, man. There's no way around it. Three touchdowns, a 56-yarder to bust it wide open, and carrying seven Pirates into the end zone. Come on, man. We'll watch that run forever. That's an awesome, awesome run. I can't just go off of what could have happened. I have to go off of what did happen. And Rasheen Ali absolutely ran away with it late in the game and – put the herd out of reach of the pirates. It, it's, it's on Rasheen on, Ali for me on only three rushes basically. Yep. Yep. And, and that's what I'm saying. They were neck and neck for me, but um, you know, it, again, he had no l- running lanes with eight people stacking the box and stuff. It, that wasn't his fault either uh, yep. of not being able to get that. But I, I still, I have to disagree and go with camp. That's fine. We can ha- we we are allowed to disagree, right? But uh, who's your defensive guy this week? Man, I got to go with uh, Mike Abraham because uh, both of those were very close to being pick sixes. There were no one in front of him. He stumbled on uh, basically both of them just because he had to lunge. Uh, but he was a half a step from being able to say he took it to the house twice. And you talking about opening up a game, two pick sixes would have really. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about five consecutive touchdown drives with three or two of those being defensive scores. Holy shit. This would have been an ugly, ugly score, but it's not just that for me. It's, you know, the coverage all game yeah. long that him and other, other people did, but you know, he's, he's known for his coverage and uh, that, that let our defense eat when it needed to. Yep. Uh, Micah Abraham's my guy, too. Two interceptions you just cannot deny. I don't care that he only had one tackle on the day. doesn't matter. Two interceptions in the fourth quarter on consecutive drives against two different quarterbacks. That's an MVP performance. Uh, Special shout-out to Sam Burton for finding the backfield and getting another quarterback sack this week. He's having a great start to the season. I think he was third in the country in sacks last week. We'll have to see where he lands this week, notching another one on his belt. Tied for second, I think. Okay. Uh, Well, hey, we'll take that. I think somebody's got uh, three or somebody's got four uh, sacks and he's got three and a half. There you go. Special teams MVP. Who you got? Uh, McConnell. I mean, you know, it wasn't really a lot. Like I said, it's pretty pedestrian all around. So I'm just going to go with him because we didn't really have any botches and it wasn't yeah. like he had any shanks or short punts. 
Yep, I'm with you. Uh, by a week coming up, the herd is two and zero, moving in two weeks to prepare for Virginia Tech. So there will not be a preview later in the week. Um, if you got nothing else, let's go to around the herd. Yeah, around the herd, we are going to start out with football, and we had a signing. JJ Hammonds Jr. commits to the herd for the 2024 class. He's a six foot five, 230 edge slash outside linebacker. Uh, had a pretty decent uh, list of offers. Yep. Uh, so it looks like a really good get, and you got to love that size as he's not coming in until next year, and he's already 6'5", 230 before he gets in our weight program. Yep, had some Big Ten offers and uh, some larger, I hate to call them larger schools, but you know how it is, like, sure. like more, more prestigious conferences. And... Uh, I heard someone say on the social media that he's coming from the same high school as Cam Fancher. I can't like call that 100% accurate, but I'm just going to throw that out there as a potential link. Pretty cool. Uh, this class is coming together slowly but surely, and you wouldn't expect it to be any any other way right now. The 2024s, I mean, damn, they just started their high school season. So there's a lot of processing, uh, a lot of the process still to go for a lot of people, but I always love when you get a football commitment. I What's can that? confirm because he is uh, from Wayne High School. Uh, uh, Cam is from Huber Heights, and this says Dayton. So Wayne High School, I don't know if there's two Waynes, but he is coming from Wayne High School. There so, you go. Uh, next is men's golf. The Joe Figaines, uh Invitational is underway at Guyane uh, Sunday through Tuesday, mm-hmm. and that is uh, usually the kickoff to the fall season. So they are underway there. Women's golf, the Jennifer Duke Invitationals up in Cincinnati. That's Monday and Tuesday. So that will be ongoing. Over in volleyball, uh, we lost to Eastern Kentucky, uh, three sets to none. Then we came back and beat Furman, three to one. Swept Queens, three uh, sets to none. And then we lost in the finale of last weekend to UNC Asheville, three to one. We have upcoming Idaho this Friday, and this is 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Then Southern Utah at 8 p.m., and then the next day they'll finish up their weekend Utah Tech at 2 p.m. Again, all Eastern times. i got to say something before you move on about golf. Okay. Um, have you seen the hats that our guys are sporting? Yeah, yeah, we got that. DM and it it brought my attention. You may have seen it before that, but it it brought brought it to my attention. That's a sweet hat. If anybody hasn't seen it, they're Kelly Green hats, and it looks like the graphic is really little, but it's it looks like it's Marco swinging a golf club. Hmm. Sell the hats with the towels. These like I don't get this, man. These Olympic sports, these quote unquote non revenue sports, that is freaking revenue. People will buy that stuff, man. Those hats are cool. The towels are cool. Sell it. Sell it. You're, I don't think you got to buy a thousand of them, you know, and even if you do, I got. I feel pretty good that there's a thousand herd golfers out there that would love to have something more than a Kelly Green Titleist hat with like maybe a Marshall M on the side. Give them an option. That's a cool hat. I'd buy one and I don't golf. That's just a cool hat. Sell the hats. Yeah, there's so so many things that we can sell that again those towels like you're talking about. I want a script Marshall towel, you know. Yeah. Um all right, so next we are going over to cross country. The Thundering Herd Invitational is Friday, September the 15th. 
And that's really cool because they haven't been able to host something here in a while. So uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, that's a big deal, man. I'm glad we get a home uh, home event. I mean, who doesn't want to run through, you know, West Virginia in September? Does it get any better than that, really? I mean. I would argue October, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> October for me, man, is just so much better. Well, you can't with... have your runners blindsided by all the beautiful colors in the woods, okay? You can't. Uh, you you got to be focused. So let's give me September and we'll just move on. October for me, because of those colors, I just think that it doesn't get any better, but there you go. Uh, over in baseball, we got the 2023 signing class has been revealed. I am not going to go through every one of those. They are over on Herd Zone if you want to see. They're listed on social media as well. I just want to say that there is quite a few local flavor that you'll see uh, from our tri-state area on there, um, but give them all a look. And also... Turf is going down right now. Sure is, man. And I saw some pictures. It looks sweet. I like the the striped look. That, that's pretty sharp. I'm interested to see the like um, custom embellishes embellishments yeah. on the field or or you know in the the um, I don't know the, the the on deck circle and you know just stuff like that because there's always got to be some nice little custom flair there. You hope there's a Hope there's a 75 somewhere. That would be cool. I just think that's a, it doesn't have to be prominent, but it just should be there somewhere. You know? I'm really hoping for behind uh, home plate facing the uh, stands, Jack Cook Field. That's what I'm hoping yeah. for. Yeah. I don't know that it's going to be on there, but uh, that, that'd be something that I'd want to see. Yeah. Do they have like a, you know, like when, something happens and a team will have a special decal and like when Harry Carey passed away and it was the glasses and you know what I mean? Have you ever seen, do we have something like that? That is like, um, like that is Jack cook. That would be recognizable or, or maybe does he wear, did he wear the number one? I couldn't tell you. I don't know either, but that would be cool. Like if, if, if you just, uh, make the nod and be like, all right, well he wore number one or whatever number it was. Just retire that and put that on the field, you know, or something like that. Just something special or or like his like his signature, you know what I mean, like on the field. I, I think there's going to be some pretty cool embellishments. I hope there are. You know, we've waited forever, forever, forever for a field, and there's absolutely zero reason not to make it so just perfectly martial, you know. Um, but the turf going down is pretty sweet. The striped look is pretty sweet. And also with this stadium, you know, it's ongoing. Herd bricks have started to be delivered. So yeah. if you have not gotten yours yet, you still have time. It's going to be right around Christmas when they do the cutoff. So if you want to get that, you better be getting it over the next two months, but no time like the present. Get a custom brick. You get one. One gets put uh, down. Uh, the money will help go towards uh, more projects here at this stadium. Yeah, and I know we've talked about that. Uh, I was just revisiting that the other day. Um, you know, you had mentioned personally that you're going to order one. I'm, I'm going to order one. I'm going to order one in uh, honor of my father-in-law because he's a big baseball fan, and he passed away a couple years ago. So I'm going to do that for him because he was a lifelong Huntingtonian up until we moved to Florida. He moved here like a month after us and then passed a few months later. So, you know, born and raised in Huntington, 65-plus years in Huntington, and a huge baseball fan. I just think he deserves to be at the honey, at the Marshall Thundering Herd Baseball Stadium. You know, like, 
something for him. And I'm going to do that for him. And then, of course, we talked about doing it at, at the, as the podcast as well. Mm. So we've got to figure out what we want our brick to say, man. And then we'll pull the trigger on that, too. That, that's been my hang up is what do I want to say? So I just need to pull the trigger, like you said, and do it. And uh, you and I should probably just get that done this week on yeah. deciding what we're going to do for the the podcast on what it's going to say. Yeah, we might as well. Cause we got season basketball ticket renewals came out by the way. We didn't mention that, or I don't know if it was on your around the herd, but um, we've, we've got a, you know, we've got some purchases to make because we will be renewing our basketball tickets and have games at the cam for everybody, free tickets. So we might as well just pull the trigger on tickets and the bricks and, and just kind of knock out several things. But is there anything else in around the herd? Yeah, there is uh, this little sport called soccer that we it. happen to be pretty good at. Women's soccer beat Miami, Ohio, two to nothing at home on Thursday. One of those goals was near thirty yards, uh, and by uh, was that Gandy that had that? Pretty sure Olivia Gandy had that. But oh rid- yeah, yeah, ridiculously yeah. long goal. Uh, and then they finally got upended on Sunday at home. They lost to Liberty two to nothing ending that uh, undefeated run that they were doing, but still very good uh, record on the season. I believe that puts them at, uh, what is that? Four, one, and one, I think. I think they're four, one, and one. Um, They do not play again until they play on Sunday, and that'll be against Louisiana Monroe on the road. Yeah. Uh, Actually, quick house cleaning note there. Marshall was five zero and one heading into the game. Liberty was oh. undefeated at six and zero. Oh, so, so that was a that was five, a really one good. One. Li- yeah, that was a really good Liberty team, by the way, guys. So, um, yeah, just a short setback. I said that before. You know, now you're kind of get the monkey off your back a little bit, and you can refocus and regroup and get ready for the SBC season. And I think the herd's going to make a little noise this year. Over to men's soccer, the number two ranked team in the nation. Your Marshall Thundering Herd beat Pitt three to one at Pitt on Tuesday, and this was a pit team that was ranked eighth just before. Like, even the day of us playing them, that morning they were ranked eighth, and then they dropped out of the top 25. But uh, we dominated that game, three to one. Uh, Matthew Bell had uh, three assists, and Marco Silva got another goal there, and I think uh, Garcia Pasqual got a goal, and I can't remember who got the other one. Uh, then high point comes here. Pretty good high point team got, uh, the second ever goal on us. Pitt got one and then high point got one, but we beat them two to one on Friday. Just keep on rolling. And we play Cleveland state on Tuesday at home, seven fifteen PM. We will have tickets as always. As always. And really easy, man. All you got to do, I mean, all you got to do usually is just, like a tweet or something like that, and be able to go to the game. Mentioned this before, like if I contact you, you know, try, to, if you've entered, try to check your DMs because I'm not going to wait all day. We want people to go into the game, right? So I'll give you 45 minutes or 30 minutes or something like that. If you don't answer, I'm going to try to contact somebody else. We want somebody to go to the game. Um, and women's soccer, most of the time, it's just like if you answer, you're going you're gonna to get the tickets. I don't know why people don't want to turn out for them. They're, they're fun to watch too. And they were 5-0-1 heading in. So what are we doing here, guys? Like, they're pretty good, too. So, you know, free tickets and free tickets. And it's not like it's, you know, two hours away. It's right across town. So um, be on the lookout for more tickets this week. What else you got? That's all I got for Around the Herd. Take us the hell out of here, then.
All right, whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the Joan, or whether you see us over there looking at some new turf going down at the Jack, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd, it's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week because we're on a bye. We've got to dominate and go 1-0 on the bye week. Huff said it. We'll see you next week. Later.